You know how I always joke when I tell you what episode number this is and say, I can't believe they have let me do this show that long? Well, imagine my surprise when I got asked to expand the show and do somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 175 of these things every year. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it. And more importantly, I'm going to bring on WWL, say that 10 times fast, buddy D, radio analyst extraordinaire, Mike Detillier, coming up next on the new and improved Datitude Podcast. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Well, yeah, New Orleans, and hello to all my friends elsewhere, everywhere out there who are just chopping at the bit to find out what is going on with us here at Datitude. As I said, it's been a crazy couple weeks. This is Datitude, episode number 209 for a Friday, March the 1st, 2024. If you didn't know this by already, and you can't read there in the bottom of the screen, I am your host, Jim Derry. And whether you're watching on one of our NOLA.com social media channels or listening to the podcast, as always, I thank you for of being a part of this show. Uh, you'll notice that uh, I didn't say my usual spiel of being a sports betting writer for the Times Picayune, the Advocate, and bet.nola.com, and there is a reason for that. Uh, we are going to be changing the format here. If you weren't watching our Bayou Bet show a couple weeks ago, I've been on a little mini break. Um, we are going to be doing this show uh, three times a week when it's not football season. We're going to be doing it every day during the week, and who knows, maybe more. Uh, when we get to football season. Also, draft coming up. We'll be doing uh, a show five times a week then. Um, and uh, what this will do is allow me to go back to doing what I, what I did when I first started this show, the first two seasons of this show. By the way, this is uh, season the season four premiere of this show, episode number 209. Um, we're going to be getting in some, some great guests like we did. We had uh, Jim Mora on. We had Dale Brown on. We've had Stan Verrett was, was in episode number one. We had Mickey Loomis on the show. Uh, so we're going to go back to having our, our really good guests, and it's going to give me time to be able to do those, uh, do those sorts of things. And also, we'll hear from you as well. If you want to type into the comment stream, we'll have you on the show like my friend JJ. What's going on? Well, we're here. We're live. And they're letting, it, let, letting me uh, do this again. The show won't be all that different. Except it's just, uh, it'll be just about everything that will be available, both video and on our social media pages and our regular audio podcast places. Most, uh, most of our shows also will be live going forward. You see it, my monologue will be live going forward. We've got some fancy new graphics. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of fun. All the shows that appeared on bet.nola.com, by the way, will be merged into Datitude, including both the, the Fantasy Roundup and Bayou Bets show. Uh, Fantasy Roundup, by the way, will, will come back. It'll be here on Datitude next Wednesday. Spencer, the guru, will be with us. Gabe Henderson is the, in the background now. Uh, he'll, he'll be uh, part of the show, uh, fact-checking me, make sure I don't screw up. Uh, he'll probably be on uh, Fantasy Roundup. We'll certainly have his expertise picking because he was the winner of the, uh, the, the Big Bucks contest this past uh, football season. Winner by a lot, by the way. 
Uh, he had a great season, so he's going to be on helping pick. Tom Casale, our sports betting director, he's going to be on as well. Uh, he is a March Madness expert. He's 9-0, and by the way, in his last uh, nine picks. Uh, he's also doing some picks for CBS Sportsline. And let me tell you, they want him. Everybody wants Tom Casale right now because he is on fire. So he will be on this show as well uh, coming up. If you're watching live, you can join by typing your comment or question on YouTube, Facebook, or X slash Twitter if you're listening after the fact or have us on podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can send in a comment uh, via email at advocate.com or on X or Twitter. You can find me at Jim Derry Jr. And soon the show will have its own Twitter handle at Datitude Pod that's coming up. A reminder to subscribe to our Datitude YouTube page and click the little bell to receive notifications when we go on the air. All right, in about six, seven, eight minutes, somewhere around there, we'll be welcoming in Mike Detillier. But as I do most shows, I'm going to start off with my dime here. Um, it is an interesting time for the New Orleans Saints uh, as the combine is going. We've got our writers up in Indianapolis. By the way, why is it always in Indianapolis? Why don't they move that thing around? Uh, I never understood that. Sure, I mean, I, I, I went to a Final Four in Indianapolis. Uh, I went to Indianapolis back when, I don't know if you guys, I'm old, so this is, I think, 30, year, 30 or 31 years ago. Uh, UNO played in the, in the regional with Indiana, in Bobby Knight, top-seeded Indiana. And uh, that was quite interesting. But it was my first taste of Indianapolis. And let me just say, maybe it's different now, but there wasn't a whole lot to do. And it's like the old skit, I'm in Delaware. It's like, I'm in Indianapolis. That's kind of how it was there. So I never understood that. But bring it to New Orleans. Send it to Vegas. Let it be in L.A., New York, whatever. I think you should change that around a little bit. But uh, I don't know. We got, I got some other random thoughts. By the way, we're going to talk mostly about the Saints today. But this show is also going to be about current events. And what do we think about uh, it would be interesting to get some comments from viewers about Caitlin Clark, who is about to pass Pete Maravich for the all-time sc- leading scorer in NCAA basketball history. Do they compare? Are they different? Um, does, should it have an asterisk? I hate the asterisk, by the way. If you break a record, you break the record. I don't care who you are. Uh, same goes with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, who I don't, I don't care. You break a record, you break a record. So uh, Caitlin Clark is about to break Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record in college basketball, but she did it with an extra season, and she also did it with a three-point line. Does that matter to you? My answer is, as much as I hate it, no. Um, she breaks the scoring record. She's got the scoring record. So that's, that's my opinion on that. Uh, we'll be talking more about that Monday because I think it's going to happen this weekend. Um, and that will definitely be part of my dime on Monday. All right, I, I told you all about my changes here at Data2, but how about those Saints since we last spoke uh, a couple weeks ago? The big one is a new offensive coordinator in Clint Kubiak, and I can't wait to talk to Mike in just a few minutes, ask him his, his opinion on that uh, I know that he was the one that I was rooting for. As JJ says, uh, he doesn't even compare. <laughs> he doesn't compare Clark to Pistol. Different time, different rules, different game, no comparison. But yeah, but she still has the record. So again, maybe I'll ask Mike about that. Um, another thing we talked about when it comes to the Saints uh, just before we took the break were my thoughts on concerns on whether Dennis Allen has lost this locker room. And look, I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, I had some people come out to me and joke around and, and, and give me, you know, not the business because most of them agreed with me, 
But uh, they were giving me a little grief for, for being as hard on Dennis Allen as I was. And I said he lost the locker room. Um, and in case you missed it, you can go back and hear my rant after the victory over the Falcons in which Dennis Allen apologized to a coach and Arthur Smith who would be fired before the plane landed back in Atlanta is now the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to dive back into that right now. But I will say that I hope Pete Carmichael leaving, along with many others on his offensive staff, will be enough to turn the tide. So let's see how this offseason goes. Uh, but as I was much more skeptical uh, going into 2023 than I was when Allen took over in 2022, um, it will certainly be worse this coming September. That's the way I think. I hope I'm wrong. I can't wait to see where the books put the Saints over under win total. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be somewhere around seven and a half. Um, their schedule, although technically, if you go by winning percentage from last year, it's not that difficult. It's somewhere in the 455 range. But, you know, you got to play Dallas on the road. You got to play Kansas City on the road. Uh, you got tough home games as well. So we'll go through all that more as the season goes uh, along. But one thing we're going to talk about when Mike comes on in just a few minutes, uh, we're also going to be talk, talking about, uh, and I think one of the main things we're going to talk about when Mike comes on, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, the company, are once again trying to kick that can down to 2025, looking to work that magic yet again. Will they be able to do that? There's been much salary restructuring since we last spoke. In fact, this morning, talking about how uh, Marcus May has also restructured. So a couple of the graphics that I have on the screen, uh, not, not right now, but that I will have, I made them yesterday, and then I had to fix them last night because of Cam Jordan, uh, his restructuring. So there's been another one. So the, the Saints are moving towards where they need to be. Uh, you know, Eric McCoy restructured, Nathan Shepard, Carl Grandison, Cesar Ruiz, of course, Derek Carr, and as I said, Cam Jordan yesterday. So the Saints are making the moves to where they need to be. The new league year begins on March 13th. Um, as of just 10 days or so ago, Saints were nearly $80 million over the cap. $80 million over the cap. So, and, and yeah, I was talking about Marcus May being restructured. He's actually probably going to be cut, I think, is, is what they were looking at. Uh, as I'll show you the cap. As of, this was as of last night. So this is before talking about where Marcus May is when he gets cut. Saints are approximately 17 and $19 million over the cap. You see these top four cap hits on the screen. Ryan Ramchek, Alvin Kamara, Demario Davis, Taysom Hill. Uh, Cam Jordan was on this list until he restructured last night. So uh, those are some interesting numbers. Ryan Ramchek, $27 million for an aging right tackle, 10.4% of the cap. Uh, Derek Carr was in there. He was not at the top, by the way. Derek Carr was on this list as well before he also restructured. So, you know, they received some great news, by the way, last week when the league announced a, quote, unprecedented raise in the cap, according to Luke Johnson. It immediately trimmed $10 million off of that $80 million they were over before they started even restructuring. Along with other moves, Carr converted all but the league minimum of his $1.2 million uh, salary. $30 million he, he helped clear. Uh, well, he actually helped clear $23 million of cap space by changing that $30 million. That's going to be spread out over the course of his contract. But we're also going to talk about, to Mike about does that mean the Saints are married to Carr now? They could have gotten out of this contract after this year. 
Would you have bitten the bullet? I wouldn't have. I, I, I think Derek Carr is a good fit through this team. I know people don't agree with me. We'll be talking about that later on. I've heard a lot of people say that the Saints can still get out of it. In fact, I heard our own insiders say um, last week they were talking about they could still get out of it uh, after, probably not after this coming year, but it could get out of it after 2025. I don't think so. I think they're pretty much married to Derek Carr now until this contract is over. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll find out. Um, talk to Mike about that. Uh, again, we talked about Cam Jordan yesterday. Restructuring cleared another $9.4 million off, which leaves the Saints currently, as we said, and you see on the screen, $17 million, $19 million over the cap. Look, that's fantastic work, uh, but there's still quite a long ways to go, especially if the team hopes to bring back uh, any impactful free agents, what they're going to have to do. Uh, does that mean Michael Thomas is all but gone? I think we all know that. I think we all know Michael Thomas is 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 a goner. Uh, he doesn't want to be here. I, I can't imagine the Saints would actually want to bring him in at this point. Um, but what about Marshawn Lattimore? Uh, the the talk is that he's basically gone. What does Mike think about that? Um, also, Alvin Kamara, and I know that's blasphemous to so many people out there. But you, you kind of have to face reality. And, and when you're talking about that and how much money Alvin Kamara is, you, you look at the screen there, 7.2% of the cap. I'm not saying Alvin Kamara is not worth $18.8 million, not at all. Um, and if you got rid of him, you'd still have dead cap to deal with. So it's not like you're just cutting $18.8 million off of your salary cap. It's not how, that's not how it works. But if... In the long run, in the future, you know, you're talking about Alvin Kamara and his future worth, a 30-year-old running back. Is that where this team is going? Where is this team going offensively? How is he going to fit in Clint Kubiak's plans? Are the Saints going to draft another running back? I think that's on the list, right, uh, or at least free agent-wise. I mean, Kendra Miller spent a lot of last year injured, didn't play a whole lot last year. Jamal Williams wasn't nearly the running back that I think people expected him to be or hoped he would be. Uh, there was the controversy at the end of the season when he, when they gave him the touchdown. So where, where do you go from there? I think these are all points that I think the Saints are obviously diving in. They've been diving in since probably before the season was even over. Uh, part of the administration was talking about this. And that's where, that's where I think the Saints are right now. Uh, wait, Mike is actually in the green room. He will be uh, with us any moment now. Uh, as soon as he gets back uh, on screen there, I see him in the green room. We'll, we'll bring him on. But, uh, you know, what else? Uh, the, the combine is, man, I'm really looking forward to, to getting uh, Mike's opinions on, the, on the, the combine as well. So let's bring him in. Mike Dettelier of WWL Radio. Mike, it's always uh, uh, great to have you in on the show. There is no one that knows more. You and Jeff Duncan are like the, the gurus of Saints slash NFL knowledge. And always a pleasure when I can have you in and talk to you about uh, not just Saints football, but about NFL and the drafts coming up and cap situations and all those fun things. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Always great to be on with you. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, and I was just talking about cap situation. Now, uh, news coming out uh, this morning, Marcus May is uh, most likely going to be cut or they're going to trim his salary or figure out how to restructure. I think it's more, more of the lines of cut uh, when June 1st, when the, when they get to that, but all the moves that the saints have made once again, Mike, 
I don't know that anyone knows how to work cap magic like Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and company with this staff that they have. Kai Harley is and Kai Harley. <laughs> really the unsung guy here and what he's been able to do and, and coming up with enough maneuvers uh, to get you under the cap and to give you some money, actually, to spend in free agency. Uh, that, that's the other sidebar with it. Uh, the key here is that you are in maybe the most crucial time in this football team's history in the last 20 years because of personnel moves that you're going to have to make this offseason, uh, draft free agency. Uh, you, you have a coach who's on the lifeline. Basically, you, you've given him another shot at this, but he understands this is the lifeline, so to speak. And you got to be able to make it work and with a cap situation. And you've been fortunate that because the league is like a cash register that keeps ringing at every step of the way, that you've been able to kind of wheel back some of that money, uh, eventually you're going to have to face the reality of contracts with veteran players who aren't even going to be on your team that's going to be dead money on your football team. you got to get younger. you got to hit in the draft. you got to be able to get younger players because especially on the defensive side of the football when you look at uh, Cam Jordan, Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis, they're in the winter years of their NFL career. <laughs> you think about that, uh, you know, th that's a huge offseason to piece together, redoing the um, basically the entire offensive staff. No excuses now. Now it's all set for you. you got to be able to make it work. Are you going to have to make dramatic changes on this football team? And I say this every year. There are probably three or four really bad teams in the NFL. Uh, probably eight teams that if everything fell right, you a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And 20 teams in this league that are in football purgatory. You're not real bad, and you're not real good. You stuck. The Saints are in football purgatory at this moment. How did that and happen, Mike? able to figure that out. How did that happen? It was it just Drew Brees and Sean Payton leaving? I agree with you 100%. How did that happen? Well, I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, but other than 2017, give me another year. And you... 2017 was such an anomaly that you were able to hit on that many draft picks and that type impact. But name me a, another draft that was even half that good. All right. Uh, since then. Okay. Since uh, all then, this you stuff can. about we, we got this prototypical stuff and we fall by it and it works great. Uh, I, I, tell me where it works great. Okay. You've given up a lot of extra draft choices to move up in the draft. Has that really worked out for you? No. You've had disappointments in big men. If it's been Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Trevor Penning, that you have not hit on those big men that you have spent a lot of early round picks on 
and this pass draft, I think Brian Bursay, he was what we thought he would be, a good pass rusher and a disruptor uh, that can put some pressure up the middle. Like, just because of the way he's built, I think that he's going to have some difficulties against the run. Just because that part of him, he's built so sort of tall cut, you're going to get pushed around. He's got to play with a little lower base. I can't tell you anything about Isaiah Foskey because either he was hurt or he wasn't playing. Well, and and that's part of it. I didn't have as much a problem. Look, I thought they should have gone tackle last year, and if they don't go tackle this year, we're going to have a whole different show to, to talk about here i mean but but look okay you want you you think you need a pass pressure brian brisset is your guy fine i don't have as much a problem with that but then to go isaiah foskey next made no sense to me and like you said we don't know what he's gonna be he could be a good player peyton turner i mean it could be a good player i doubt it yeah. i mean but how do we know okay because of lack of availability Okay, you might say, well, it's a bad pick or bad luck. Whatever it is, he isn't helping your football team. No, no matter how you cut it, he's not productive, and he's not helping your football team. And um, I think you always have an advantage when you have a premier quarterback. Uh, this team, okay, you don't have an elite player there. You don't have a top seven or eight quarterback on, on this football team. And so you've got a middle-of-the-road team with a middle-of-the-road quarterback with a poor offensive line, question marks because of age, certainly on defense. And, okay, Marcus May was a huge disappointment for this Big team. Time. Uh, and, and so now you're kind of looking at one mistake after another, after another. And you don't have a lot of time uh, to piece all this together. But you're stuck. Yeah, okay, you got stuck. And this is why I know, I think we talked back in September or October. Um, might not have been the last one before then. So I told you, I, I really thought Tampa had a shot. Because, okay, you, you were, were right. getting action from Baker Mayfield. Now, their defense, I thought, had enough talent. They could help you win. And Mike Evans and all, and that crew, they, they got it done. You got to give them credit. But Tampa's really in the same spot the Saints are in. So is Atlanta. Uh, Carolina was a bad team a year ago. I mean, They're worse than football purgatory. Uh, yeah, well, they were amongst the bad teams uh, in the NFL. So I think it's difficult to get yourself out of football purgatory without a top-flight quarterback and, secondly, being able to win consistently in the trenches. And this team couldn't do either one last year with a schedule that was the easiest historically in my life. easy and i'm over 60 years old yeah, uh, historically easy yes and you didn't face these top of the line quarterbacks okay look at the schedule this year and we always got geniuses oh look at look at their winning percentage just close to last year uh, look at the quarterbacks they play this right. year. Look at the head coaches you're going up against this exactly. year. It's a lot different than it was a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> you got to understand that particular part of this game. You didn't have to play a Pat Mahomes and a Justin Herbert this year. Uh, Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Uh, and so now you are put in a different category schedule-wise. 
And I do know one thing, those those coaches that you faced this year are going to be a lot tougher than the guys you, you faced off against last year. You know, Gabe talks about it in the green room. He's like, football purgatory is the worst place to be, and I, I couldn't agree more because I don't know how the hell you get out of it. I mean, I really don't. I think you almost – and you look at the screen, you talk about the offensive line. You know, Ryan Ramchek, as great as he was the first five or six years that he was here, he's obviously had two very disappointing seasons now, and he, he – has been injured for much much of the past two years. And once you get into that, Mike, I just don't know that you can get out of it. And with, without Ryan Ramchek, I don't know how this line gets that much better. And even Eric McCoy, you always talk about how center is, if not, you know, quarterback's the most important position in the field. It's center's, the center's probably number two. And, yeah. and Eric McCoy, actually, I thought kind of had a down year. And he had some, some, some injuries as well. So where do you go? Don't you think that you've – look, you, we can talk about Derek Carr all day long. He's not going anywhere. They have got to find a way, whether it be through the draft, free agency, or both. They have got to not just make changes in this offensive line, but I think almost completely revamp this offensive line. They are 28th or 29th by pro football focus, and I think that's being kind. Yeah, the thing I don't know, Jim, is um, what are the type players that John Benton and Rick Dennison what do they want in an offensive lineman? Okay. It's a new philosophy of what they want to bring in or they think can work on this team. That part I can't tell you because, okay, Marone's gone, and now you're going to run a little bit different offense. What are they looking for in an offensive lineman? And everybody's right. got a different opinion on the type of player you want up front. But – you got to be able to figure it out with Trevor Penning. What are you going to do with Andrew? Can he play guard, Mike? Can Trevor Penning play guard? Okay, here's my deal about the guard position. If you think he's got technical issues playing tackle, you don't think he's going to have technical issues playing guard? I do. Uh, hey, we're not splitting the atom here. We're not Oppenheimer. Uh, this, this is easy. If he's got trouble... On the technical side, as a tackle, he's going to have trouble as a technical player, as a guard. Now, can it work? Uh, we'll see. But also, you went up in the fourth round for Nick Saldaveri from Old Dominion. Right. He was a former tackle right. um, who will play as a guard. We don't know anything about him because he was hurt most of the year. So now you've got two real young players. I think the big question, Mark, is other than what you do with pinning is, what are you going to do with Andrews Pete? And I'll yeah. be honest, I thought he played a Best very season. solid role, especially toward the end of the season when you had some success offensively. And he stayed healthy. That, I, that was the biggest shocker to me. I agree. It was crazy that, that he came in and I'm like, oh, here we go. They put him in a left tackle and then. The dude played, I thought, had his best season. He really did. We got some questions. By the way, Mike, we got a West Bank yet and a guy from down to Bayou. I don't think either one of us is splitting the atom, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out. No, no I, I, you know, I got a little education, but I can't split the atom. We'll, we'll work on that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> next season. Nola Wolf is asking, uh, thank you for enjoying the program and the season four premiere of Datitude, by the way. We thank Mike for coming on and uh a little rebranding, a little little different. We're going to be on uh, a lot more coming up. Uh, if this is another mediocre to bad year, in other words, if they stay in, in football purgatory, we ask this question. We know they're not going to blow it up and start over, but 
would you blow it up and start over if there's another year like we had last year or worse? I don't know about using that term, blow it up, because I think um, you would have to have some really bad seasons. Yep. And I'm talking about bad seasons to blow it up. But my thing about it is you've gotten old and now you're how cost effective is this going to be? You, you got to be able to hit in the draft. The blow up part, um, I think that's overused a lot. Uh, I think that you got to get the right people in here. And football is still a matter of having a top signal caller and winning in the trenches. Okay. You can talk about all the receivers and running backs and DBs all you want. If you don't win there, <laughs> you got issues. That's where you would see some major changes if this team finishes eight and nine next year. Oh, you're being kind. Eight and nine. I think. I think uh, somewhere around November, I have a bad feeling we might take eight and nine, but we'll we'll see. A-Town is asking, I think we know the answer to this question, but do we see Mike Thomas making the Saints this upcoming season? What is the future for Michael Thomas? I think Michael Thomas kind of wrote his way out. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Jim, I told you this last year. I was shocked they brought him back. So was I. (laughs) So So I would be really shocked if he was on this team in 2024. Really would my my question for you, and we haven't got into it yet, and certainly he was on the uh, the title screen uh, there, I guess, if you will. What do you think about what do you think about Clint Kubiak and what he can bring in for this team? Um, we we see some of the numbers here, and the Saints were. I mean, I don't think it was as bad as people thought it would be, but you can't. You're not going to win anything big with a 14th ranked offense and a 13th ranked defense. Uh, you look at the points for and against; they, it was better than the yards per game. But how much is Clint Kubiak going to make a difference? You talk about in the trenches. He doesn't play in the trenches. But can I know he's brought in a lot of help, and there are a lot of changes offensively. Is he and his new staff going to make this team better? What makes you better is better players. You become a lot smarter coach when you got better players. Okay? Uh, So I get why they had to make a change at offensive coordinator. And you had – philosophically to make a move uh, to be different than what was here in the past. My thing about it is, why didn't you do this year one? Yep. Uh, okay. I, 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 I never got that. It's almost like Sean was gone, but yet he was still here. Okay. This is your team now, Dennis. And you had to make that kind of push that, I think people get the wrong impression that head coaches, they know everything. They know one side of the ball. Dennis Allen's a defensive-oriented coach. If the defense goes bad, it's his fault. Offensively, okay, you've got to bring in somebody that can make it work. For him not to make that change after that year one, and I just didn't get it. You could see it wasn't going anywhere. And you were trying to do the same thing with different players that worked with Breeze and worked with Sean. Okay, that worked with them. You have to change because they're not here anymore. 
And you and I may never see another Drew Brees here. May never. Oh, no. I don't think any. Look. In our lifetime, you never see that. It's not going to happen. I mean, you don't get. Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't grow on trees or, or whatever you want to call it, whatever you find in New Orleans. They just don't. That's a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. It's a once-in-a-lifetime situation with a quarterback like that and a coach like that together. Um I think you're going to so, see Sean Payton's going to be is going to struggle. Maybe not as much as Bill Belichick without Brady. He but, have Drew. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have Drew Brees. I'm just telling you, if people don't get it, and we got it all the time in the last five or six years uh, in doing sports talk with Drew. Uh, we can need to move on. Uh, he ain't that good no more. What? I uh, said it too. Man, listen, I do know Walmart and some of the other stores, they have sales on TVs. Uh, but – in the back of their mind, they I want a running quarterback. No, I want a quarterback that's efficient, that's accurate, and can throw from the pocket and make plays when I need to. Uh, it's great to have wheels and be able to move around. I think in today's game, it's much more important. But the accuracy skills and to be able to win games in the fourth quarter it is the real cut as far as quarterbacks are concerned. And um, but with Derek Carr, Mike, though, I, you know, and I, and I know you're, you're kind of down on him, but don't you think what when you saw him kind of do his own thing and Carmichael, like in certain times in games, especially when they were down by a couple of touchdowns or whatever, Carmichael was almost like throwing his hands up like I give up and Carr just kind of did his own thing and was good when he kind of did it. Maybe a refresh and hitting the button with a, with a new offensive coordinator. And I know we're 10 years into his career now, so you don't just change. I just think he can be successful with, A, the right leadership, and if they can even kind of fix this O-line a little bit. Okay, you're never going to change who you are. That's true. Player. And if you go back to his high school days, college days with the Raiders, he always sort of rode the roller coaster where you saw games where he really looked good or stretches where he looked good and then other times not. That part is always going to be a part of his makeup as a player. What I think separates the great quarterbacks from the good to medium-range ones are the great ones have the ability to take that five or 10 foot shot and make them or the layup and make them and they'll hit a spectacular play. They'll throw that pass where you go, wow, look look at that pass to the sideline deep downfield. Derek to me always seems to be looking for the big play. I I think where he's got to get better. And this is where Kubiak can maybe come in here and help is to take that five foot jumper that 10 foot jumper to hit those easy shots and keep that defense on the field. The one thing that I think dramatically has changed on defense and where it's situational football today, more than any other time, offensively and defensively got a lot less depth on defense today than any other time. There's no doubt about that. Our lifetime on defense, because everybody wants to be a receiver, a tight end. Nobody want to play on offense. Absolutely. I I think that part of Derek's game, he has not been good at. That he has struggled with taking that little shot, okay, on a second and eight 
to hit that five-yard, six-yard pass, and now it's third and two. He wants to throw the ball deep downfield, and he's good at it. But the percentages of you doing that time after time is not good in this league. Uh, Man, I always remember with Drew or Peyton Manning or Brady, we see Mahomes do it today. They'll throw an unbelievable throw, and then, you know, they make a throw that's five or six yard down for you. Okay. Uh, they run the ball third down and throw the little pass, move the chains. Now I'm keeping you on the field. So now it's 10, 12, 13 play drives, and I'm wearing you out. I'm wearing you down on the defensive side of the football. That is something that maybe Kubiak can work with Derek to be better at that little short game that you almost take it for granted that a quarterback's going to be good at. You know what? I think it's not like that either. Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Yeah. I don't think he's good at that layup or that 10 foot jumper or that five foot jumper, so to speak in football. He's not good at that. He would rather throw the ball deeper downfield. You got to get better at that. And I think that separates the really elite quarterbacks, Joe Burrow does it very well too. Oh, when he's of course done. he does. He, I mean, he, I, he can, he can be as good as Drew Brees stuff. if he wants to be. I, and I think. so, I, I do think that the the real top quarterbacks in this league understand a little bit about. People say, "Well, it's cliche to take what they give you." Yeah. Sometimes you have to, because you're not going to always hit the big play downfield. Okay, it's aesthetically look fantastic uh you know if you're a fan it's fun or if you're a fan but it's not the real part of the game uh with it and it's so funny i I was i did two shows this morning about Jaden daniels and i said you know Jaden is a verse visa on that when he came to lsu i thought he was really good at the short stuff he could throw the little short passes five six seven yards downfield and, and he was good with the timing. You know what he wasn't good at? The deeper stuff. So he comes to Manning, and we sitting down talking. I said, what have you worked on in the offseason? He's like, well, Coach, um, uh, i, I got to get better at the deep game. He said, you know, I, I'm afraid maybe I wasn't going to hit it. And so I worked on timing and putting more air under my throws on the deeper stuff. He had the short stuff. Where he got great this year, deep passes downfield. He was fantastic doing was. that. But he, even when he came into LSU year one, where he was good, that short intermediate stuff, because he trusted that throw. He didn't trust the deeper throw. This year, he trusted both. Well, it helps when you have the receivers that he had as well. But uh, I want to ask about Jane Daniels in just a minute. But before we move on to the draft part of the show, Look, well, it's kind of transitioning into that. People are, I've seen a lot of fans clamoring for a a quarterback. I mean, I I think that's ridiculous because of what the Saints needs right now. I said there's no chance they draft a quarterback anywhere right now. We don't even know what Jake Hayner is going to be. Maybe he can be a potential quarterback. I don't know. But I just want to get your thoughts on, as far as the, the draft goes, what are your thoughts on where the Saints might I mean, I again, I think it's tackle or bust. I mean, if they draft anything but a tackle, maybe an edge rusher, I'll be okay. I'll back off a little bit. But I just think if you don't draft a tackle or at least an edge rusher, I think you're crazy 
and with the especially early on. You're muted, Mike. I can't hear you. Mike, you're muted. There you go. Yeah, I, oh, there, uh, you got go. You. there, I got you. Now. I think you should draft a quarterback virtually every year. You do? I'm not talking about just in round one. Okay. People say, well, uh, the numbers say you can't hit on that. Okay, tell me all those great defensive tackles and linebackers and defensive backs you picked in round four, Ooh. five, six, and seven. Okay, there's always somebody that they got the counterpoint, but yet they can't answer that question either. I think if there's a quarterback that you like, I think you should take him every year. Jake Hayner is going to be a career backup. Like Chase this- Daniel? You think he's a Chase Daniel? I think he's similar to that, much more than a starting quarterback in this league. Now, I think there are people in this organization that really have convinced themselves that he could potentially be a starter. I, I don't see it. I, I just don't. I think he's a backup in this league. So my thing about it is I think I would pick one virtually every year to try to see if I can maybe hit somewhere. And if not, and I do know one thing, if you pick a guy in the fifth or sixth round and he ends up being a pretty good player, yeah, man, I, I've got something there that I can trade off and maybe get picks for a player for somewhere down the road if it won't work out here. But to me, it's either offensive tackle or a pass rusher in round one. I'm, not that, and they've, I, hit, I not that they've hit on that. You get in round one, you, you're going to get the swing part of it in the second round. Right. The only caveat to that would be, I think a sneaky need for this team would be a bigger receiver. Because if you look at what has worked, with San Francisco. Debo Samuel's not vertically the tallest guy in the world, no. but man, he's pieced together. He's built more like a running back than he is a receiver. Brandon Ayuk's a big receiver. Jawan Jennings is a big receiver. And you have to have the ability to block downfield. I, I think if you look at Olave and Rashid Shaheed, both of those guys are smaller receivers uh, in this league. I would want a bigger receiver. Oh, what about A.T. Perry? Okay, he's flashed it, but I want another one. I want a bigger receiver, and I would not be surprised that somewhere early that this team pick a receiver. I I definitely could see that happening, but not just, man, I I don't know how to say it anymore. And I know at least you sort of agree with me. I just... I've been preaching it for over a year now. I just, the, the tackle thing, I get Trevor Penning and you and Dennis Allen's talking about we haven't given up on, whenever you, whenever someone says, a coach says, we haven't That's given good. up on. That, that, exactly. We haven't given up on. You can stop, you, whatever you say after we haven't given up on, it doesn't matter after that. So, to me, that tells me all I need to know about Trevor Penning that they just don't think he's going to be this lead. And I, hope he, I was hoping he was going to be like a Kyle Turley kind of player. You know, I really thought that's what we were getting here. But I, I just don't think I need any more to see to know that he can't be a starting, especially left tackle in this league. And here's my thing last year. They were picking up people of the practice squad, and they were playing before Pinning was. Right. 
It doesn't that tell you something? Everything I need to know. That you really need to know here. Yeah. And you can say, well, I'll bring in an offensive line guru to help with it. Right. Well, what the hell was Doug Marone doing here? <laughs> Nothing. Apparently, uh, which is why was, he got fired as a head what coach. Was Doug here for? That, but was uh, that more? But Mike, was that more? Doug Marone was that more of like he's Sean Payton's guy and we're status quo kind of thing, trying to keep everything as close to the way it was under Sean Payton as it was, and they're finally realizing. And look, if Dennis Allen has any chance at all to remain a head coach in this league, and you said it before. He should have got his own people from the get-go. He should have insisted, I want my own people. I need to have my own people. And at no point was Pete Carmichael, Doug Marone, and, and a bunch of these other guys that have been in here his own people. You know, my thing about it is maybe that's why they leaned and got him. Maybe it maybe. was keep everything status quo. 100%. Um, my thing about it is I have no problems with status quo when it's successful. Right. Where I have an issue is you trying to con me into believing that the status quo is working when it's not. Right. Okay. Change is good. A, a lot of people are resistant to change today, but we live in a world where it changes every day. Something changes in our life and we have to adjust to it. But Status quo, I think everybody wants to keep things if it's going pretty good the way it is. But if it's not, you have to change because somebody else is doing it better than you are. I think that's where this organization structurally made a mistake in not making the structural changes to the changes in the game and a coach that was going to do it differently. I agree wholeheartedly. And look, I'm not going to harp on Dennis Allen anymore, at least not right now. It's March 1st. Uh, we'll see where we go further. And the next time we talk, I may feel, feel differently. I don't know. But before I let you go, um, you're not just a, a fantastic Saints analyst. You know the players in this draft as, as well as anybody. And I want to pick your brain uh, on the draft as you see the order on the screen there. Saints, uh, I, people know that they're, they're picking 14th. But I'm really interested to get your thoughts on the Bears and whether you think that, A, they'll make uh, a move and trade. But I find it interesting. Look, I'm not a Justin Fields guy. I don't love Justin Fields. But I also think that if you believed in him, believed in him enough to make him the first pick of the draft, I don't know that you found out that he can't be a starting quarterback because I don't even know whether he can be or not. What What is your take there? Do you think the Bears will make a move? Do you think they will make a move and bring in Caleb Caleb Williams, who I don't like what I'm hearing this morning about him not wanting to take his uh, his physicals, and I'm only going to give physicals to you know my results to these teams or whatever. A guy coming in dictating what he's going to do already to me that just throws up all kinds of red flags. If I were the Bears, I'd stick with Justin Fields and you know maybe trade that pick and get some more capital. I think um, I've seen enough of Justin Fields and that he is still in the developmental stages as a quarterback now. He's got a skill set where you barely a 50% passer in this yeah. league. Uh, and you weren't playing all these great teams at the end of the year, and you weren't lighting it up. Uh, so, well, Lamar Jackson's only like 60%, and, you know. But, man, um, he is special because – 
They've got a running game to back him up, and he's part of the running game. Exactly. And Justin is, too. Now, I, I do give him full credit on that part. But I just think if I'm the, the Bears, I don't think the market for Justin Fields is huge. I think there's just maybe a couple of three teams that would give you up sort of what you're looking for, which would be a second-round pick, and maybe something else based off of his production. If I'm the Bears, I seriously think about this, and I don't know how they feel about Jaden or Drake May. But I do know one thing. Washington sits at two. Caleb Williams is from the Washington, D.C. area. Played high school football there. His offensive coordinator, senior offensive coach at USC, Cliff Kingsbury, is now the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Yep. New owner in Josh Harris, who I think got embarrassed a little bit because I think his number one choice for head coach decides I'm staying as an assistant with the Lions. I've got to make a splash in the D.C. area. What would they give me up? And I go from one to two. What think, would they give me? I in think you get some serious capital there, especially if they if they want Caleb Williams. I think you could you might be able to get next year's number one. And so now I'm in a spot where I don't know how Pose feels about Jaden Daniels yeah. personally. For me to drop from one to two, and I get Jaden Daniels and I can get a number one pick next year, say a second and a four or a second and a three this year, man, I'm taking that. And maybe a player, I'm taking that. Especially after after what you've heard from Caleb. I just don't like his attitude to me. And to me, Jaden Daniels and Drake May would fit better. Almost as though, Jim, that he's been told exactly what's going to happen beforehand. So why should I do all this stuff? I know exactly what's going to happen because the Bears have told me what they're going to do. Now, did they tell him, hey, look, we're going to pick you and we're going to keep you? Or did they tell him, hey, look, we've got maybe an offer on the table here and we can send you back to your hometown in Washington? You know, that part behind this, because sometimes today, you know, I think about what the 21 or 22-year-old might tell you would have done if I was in his spot and and maybe, uh, you know, that would have been the case, but listening to him this morning sounds to me like he has already been tipped on exactly what they're going to do. And so why should I go through all this uh, with the combine? And I've always felt about this, about the combine. It's a bit of a dog and pony show. It does have some merit especially interviews and medicals. You know, we find out now one of the top corners in this draft who would have been probably a late first-round pick, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama. He's got a Jones fracture in his foot, so he's going to have to have surgery. The only time I've ever really moved people uh, in all this time frame, I've done it in over 30 years, has been because of either a medical or because I find out something about maybe his past. I didn't know. And maybe that sort of disturbed me a little bit enough that I would drop him. 
<coughs> or maybe there's a rumor about him that I find out wasn't true, and I could I kick him up. But it's rare in all these years because I think the biggest mistake you can make. Uh, this is 1987 for me, so I'm just a young pup in this business, and I'm doing a TV show at ABC. Uh, Jim Finks is there, and he just finished his interview. He comes walk, he shakes hands with me. He says, "Michael, uh, you know, you got the cigarette." I say he smoked the cigarette. He's got to be smoking a cigarette. Uh, he said, "You got a talent for this." He said, "You do a real good job." But he said, "Can I give you a one bit of advice?" I was like, "Oh, yes, sir." He's <laughs> like. Uh, Always fall in love with the football player. Never fall in love with the athlete. And don't fall in love with his past press clippings. I think about that today. When I watch the combine, and they tell, and, and I was guilty of it. I wrote it in my draft book. I would write all about their high school career, college career. Because you want to set the stage of what you think they're going to be in the pros. But you can fall in love with that. You can fall in love with the workouts, and you forget the biggest question. Can he play? Yep. Can he win for you? And if he was on another team, can he beat you? Uh, see, I, I think that. I think Jaden Daniels checks those boxes. That's just my opinion. Uh, uh, Jaden checks every box in there. Now, he's skinny as a rail, um, but and I don't think he's going to get that much bigger. Uh, but just because of his frame. Right. He is who he is. Uh, Pete Jenkins and I had this talk, and Pete was like, Mike, I, you know, I've been around you know, over 50 years coaching, and I've never seen a quarterback that I've been an assistant on who was that good. And he's been at Alabama. You know, he yeah, was exactly. there uh, every year with Saban at Alabama. And he was like, only thing I, I got, I told him one bit of advice before I left. I said, son, learn how to slide. Because they're going to take you in the NFL. Uh, he said, I'm just telling you. And I remember Coach Joe telling me, man, Mike, uh, I would tell him all the time, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, slide, slide. <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. You know, he said, no matter how many times you told him, he wouldn't do it. And Joe said, played hey, baseball. He should know how to slide. And so uh, he is immensely gifted. Uh, what I, I love about him, he's, he's a gym rat. I yeah. mean, you know, Brian Kelly told me, he said, uh, Mike, we had to run him out of the film room because he was spinning every bit of, of the moments there than assistant coaches were. And we had to basically tell him, hey, look, you know, get out of here. Right, right. Uh, oh, so I would much rather have that type player than have somebody who, okay, I got it now. I don't need to work at it. I, I don't need to work at it. And all of us in life have been scuffed a little bit. You think about the end at Arizona State. It was not good for Jaden. And even his early part at LSU, he came in here. They had an incumbent in Miles. Uh, there was a lot of push for Nussmeyer to be the guy. That's right. And he came in here, oh, okay, uh, I get what y'all do, but I'm here too. And he beats out the other two guys for the starting job. And it didn't. It was not a smooth sailing. And similar to Joe, it wasn't smooth year one with, with Burrow. Not he, at all. He, he had his, his a bit of ups and downs, but that's because he had not really played a lot at Ohio State. Jaden played a lot at Arizona State, played a lot there. and But last year, I mean, you saw it. 
his skill set was unreal. Had LSU not had Jaden Daniels on that team, they'd have been lucky to win five games. Yep. Lucky to win five. I agree wholeheartedly. Gabe talks about uh, how his footwork and pocket presence improved dramatically. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I seriously think he can be not just the starter in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be good as Joe, but um, I definitely think he's a top 10 kind of quarterback. I really think, and because of what you talked about, his improvement from year from one year to next. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to, while we're talking about LSU and you brought out Nussmeyer, do you think that they can be a 10-win kind of team next year, give them a chance to get into this new 12-team kind of playoff? Or, um, I mean, we all know in college football, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. Can Garrett Nussmeyer lead this team and Brian Kelly to, to the playoffs? I think Garrett will be fine. I was impressed with him against Wisconsin that things, I mean, defensively, they couldn't stop a cold right. with a handkerchief. Of a, right. you know, was. And they got a stop or two late, but he was able to get you two scores late and get you uh, back, you know, with a lead. And then the defense made the stop at the end. But I was impressed how he handled that. He was very poised. Um, and I think it'll be different looking than it was the last two years because he does not have the running dynamics that Jaden Daniels does. But he's uh, become a much more efficient and smarter passer with the ball downfield. I thought early on the, his biggest fault was, I can put that football anywhere out on the field, doesn't matter. Right. And you, oh, man, these cornerbacks are really good, much better than high school. And you find out quickly, I think he's understood that little short game is going to work for him. I don't think the problem for LSU is going to be on offense. Uh, the problem, again, for me, I think you'll be better in the secondary. But you lack talent, and you lack talent depth along the defensive line. Is that you something they can fix? Thin, and it's a hard fix there because of the fact, okay, they don't have a guy somewhere with his hands up in the air saying, hey, come get me. Right. Uh, you know, I'm looking to transfer. You know, defensive linemen, Jim, um, Coach O and I have talked about this, that I think to, in today's game, you got a better chance and the collegiate level to hit on a standout quarterback than you do as a standout defensive lineman. Yeah, The, the numbers aren't there anymore. They, they really aren't. Now, with – throws you off a little bit is when you're going to watch the combine, you're going to see these guys work out. Now, oh, that guy's going to be a star. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. Because I think there are only, in every draft class, probably four to six players, no matter where they end up, production's the same. Right. The rest is fit. Do you fit in what they do offensively and defensively or being in the right spot at the right time? Um, how many of us in regular workplaces, that happens to us. I just so happen to be right place, right time, and it worked for me. So um, I think it's difficult for LSU with that schedule, even though you do play Alabama and Ole Miss at home. Right. Uh, I think you'll find out a lot about your defense in game one against USC. I think what's happened at UCLA has not made that as big 
a task as you might think. Because I think anytime you have a coaching change, there's instability there. But uh, the USC game, I think, will be very telling. And has there ever been as much shakeup in the SEC over the last, say, 10 years than we've seen this offseason? No Nick Saban. And when's the last time, other than Eli's final year, you could say Ole Miss is a legitimate top five or six team in college football? I know you're going to disagree with me, but I say this all the time. Lane Kiffin's going to find a way to screw it up. I know know you're going to disagree with me. I know you like Lane Kiffin. I just don't. I just don't. I think his offense, the one team that has been sort of an albatross with him, as was Alabama, because I think Nick knew basically what he wanted to do. You know, you saw that occur, but he's got it set up now with an experienced quarterback. He's done well in the transfer portal, the rebuild his offensive line. He has. Receivers good. Defensively, they're much better. Um, Man, if he he does not get to, and I'm not talking about Georgia Heights, because I still think Georgia's the cut. But if you're talking about the number two team in the SEC, you can make a legitimate point that Ole Miss has that shot this year. And I think LSU's probably a nine-win team this year. Uh, probably If they get to a bowl game, maybe a 10th game. But it is a gauntlet like we've never seen with the additions of Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's gonna be fun. I can't. I can't wait to see. I, I can't wait to Look, watch. If S, if LSU doesn't make it, fine. But I think the SEC is as dominant as they are. They're even more dominating now. Um, so I am looking forward to this 12 team playoff. My friend Gabe, who's in the green room right now, I don't think he agrees with me, but I, I hope they go 14, 16 teams. I'm. I love it, and this it's making me who I'm an NFL guy. I'd much rather watch the NFL than college football. But to me, this is making me more interested in college football than maybe I have been since I was in my 20s when all I did was eat, drink, sleep, football. It doesn't matter if it's college, high school, you know, NFL. It doesn't make a difference. But it's making me more interested in college football. And, Mike, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and I think eventually we will go to 16. Yeah. You know, we all thought it was 12. And then yesterday, bang, this gets dropped on. Right. For the 14. So already you can see the networks. Oh, they they the drooling. Oh man, a twelve. Let's make it fourteen instead. They're drooling, Mike. They're drooling for them. <laughs> because I think the one thing that has dramatically changed the fortunes of both college and pro football more than any other sport. One is fantasy football, no doubt. Because man, I get, and I don't want to say old ladies because I'm getting in that age group too. But I got people like in their 80s, uh, they'll somehow get in touch with me and say, you know, um, I'm in a fantasy football league and son. Can you give me a tip or two on who to pick? (laughs) The other thing is gambling. And that there's a good part and a bad part about the gambling thing. The gambling has opened up a lot of different avenues, um, you know, that you can do different shows, have different people tell you a little bit of breakdowns, how they look at it. But I do think somewhere down the line where we grew up in an age where um, alcoholism yep. and That's excessive true. drugs 
was, was a big part of lifestyle, I think the next generation is going to be gambling. That you've got, I think to me, teenagers who have somehow found a way to beat the system and can gamble and, and are making a few bucks, and they hook now on it. And you got people now, middle-aged, older people, every week, oh, I, I went 9 of 10. Nine, well, why are you calling me up on this show? Man, if I was 9 of 10 <laughs> every time I picked and I had money on it, I, I wouldn't be doing a show every week. I guarantee you that. Mike, you know how I know my son, I say this uh, every so often, how my son is doing well or doing poorly when he bets. And he doesn't bet a whole lot, so it's supposed to be for fun. Uh, and that's what people forget. And I, I will say this. But he texts me, oh, I went five for, like you said, five for six. I hit this. I hit that. And when he's doing bad, silence. It's crickets. It's crickets. He never texts me and says, I went 0 for 5 last night. Never. And so... The, the gambling part has people watching, and I almost fell off my chair when I heard this a few years back from Roger Goodell saying that fantasy football is not gambling. My thing is... Oh, it certainly is. They're paying. You know, they're not just playing this for nothing. Right. Come on. Be real. Yeah, uh, I'm not... So naive, but now they all in bed with the gambling industry. Yeah. College sports... And professional sports, they all in bed with it. And, you know, no matter, you know, if it's who you work for, who I work for, uh, you know, that they're willing to spend money on advertising, on shows. And so it's part of now sort of the fabric. Man, 10 years ago, could you have imagined that would be a big part? Are you involved with a show weekly? Not at all. That's oh, that Las Vegas with... having a team? No way. No if way. You, if you had told me 10 years ago that the NFL, that Las Vegas would be having an NFL team, I would have told you to stop smoking whatever you're smoking and go check yourself into a mental facility. Not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. It, it's so interesting how things have changed. You talked about uh, old ladies. Well, this is when I feel old because my own fantasy football league started in 1989. So that's how old, and it's still going. 35 years later, we're, we're, we're still going. And a, a couple of the same, we, we've lost uh, some dear members along the way, uh, some dear friends. I mean, so that's when you know you're getting old. When you started a league that's 35 years old and you still got a lot of the same guys that at least joined within the first five years of the league. That's when you feel old, Mike. Yeah, and I remember, okay, when all this originally started, it really wasn't football. It was more baseball, the rotisserie right. and, yeah. and sort of thing. I remember when that it's first rotisserie. People don't even know what rotisserie is anymore. <laughs> yeah, other than rotisserie chicken. Exactly. Uh, we know that. that. Part. But I, I, I do think those elements of fantasy football and gambling have merged and made it now something – that you look at the ratings and more access to it. And yeah. people say, well, I'll, I'm not going to pay to watch a football game on Peacock. Look at the numbers of people that watch that game. Exactly. That's a Peacock. Or on Amazon Prime for that matter, which is a game next year. Uh, man, they got you hooked. Look, it's the greatest reality show on TV today. I, I said it last year when they first said, and look, I have Peacock. 
Um, and it's not just because of football. I actually use Peacock for other things. Uh, I do watch things on Peacock. But I said last year, I got ticked off and said, oh, they're going to make me. And then I started thinking, well, you know what? I stream this service. You know, I have ESPN streaming service, and I have Max because my kids want to watch whatever. My wife wa- wants to watch whatever. So why is it any different for Peacock or Amazon? I mean, so yeah. it's not they, that big of a deal. Okay, I got grandkids, so they got certain stuff that Disney they want to watch. And so, you know, it, it, so it's all kind of a, a mix here. Of, I'll never forget my dad making the comment to me. I ain't never paying for uh, yeah. no cable TV, never paying for that. Right. Uh, about a year and a half later, and I come back home and he's, oh, I, got, I, got the, I got cable TV exactly. now. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, didn't you tell me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I can watch such and yeah. such at this time. I can watch uh, this at this time. Okay. And. Sports played a part into that, too, because if you remember, man, that was a way WGN, you could watch the Cubs yep. and TBS. Well, I got this on right here. Braves. Yeah, Braves why, and Cubs. That's why I'm that's, a Cubs fan. Oh, wrong Braves side. Braves Cubs fans. I see it. That's, that's why I'm a Cubs fan. Back Harry Carey back in the day. Uh, Mike, you know, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I mean, I'm not joking. I'm like, like literally could sit. I would love to go to a ball game with you one day. You talk about baseball. I I'll, I'll, we got to go, we can go sit in the stands at Chris Rooney and go to a Delgado game. And you and I just sit and have a beer and talk about whatever comes to mind. But as far as the show goes hard for me, uh, you know, one of the things now, you know, we'll go somewhere and, you know, somebody will recognize and they'll talk. We, we went course. to see Brampton, uh, on oh, a wow. now you're talking old. Saturday night in November. I had to do post game LSU. So I raced back from Baton Rouge to Biloxi uh, to, to go hear Peter Frampton. And uh, I walk in, and two or three people recognize me, and I'm watching a game off my phone. And my wife is, take that game off. And I'm like, <laughs> we can't. Okay. I said, uh, but let me watch to the end. I only got a couple minutes left. And so she was like, okay. And then, you know, we get people turn around. What's the, what's the score of the game? And you know, you're watching the game. What's the score of the game? Uh, uh, can you look been up there, done uh, that. Uh, this particular game? So it goes to show how I think sports has really consumed our lives in so yep. many different ways. I did take it off, though. Um, I mean, every, everything I really wanted to watch was off. So I got to hear Frampton. And um, he was still great, man. Um, Peter yeah. Frampton, he's got to be about 70 years old now. Disabilities, but that cat can still play oh, and he man. can still sing well. So it was great uh, to do that. Then next week, uh, I went and listened to Chicago. That's kind of my fourth version of Chicago. Well, <laughs> uh, to it. I'm a big Eagles guy, and I didn't, I'm I kind of upset I didn't get to make it to their uh, their their long goodbye tour thing. So Yeah, but I think they'll probably have a long goodbye yeah. tour part two. I agree with you. It's going to happen, so I'll make it out. Mike, uh, i got to have you on the show again soon. Again, I love talking to you. We, we could talk about anything, and people are going to listen because they want to hear Mike Dettelier, and that's why I wanted to have you on the Season 4 premiere of the show as we rebrand and do some different things here at NOLA.com. And uh, always a pleasure, Mike Dettelier. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Always my pleasure. Talk to you soon. That's about the great Mike Dettelier. Um, and I'm, not, I'm not just saying this. I mean, when I was talking about what I wanted to do as far as, like, who was going to be on my show uh, for this first, again, you can call it a rebranding or whatever. We've been Datitude, uh, 209 episodes now. 
but there was no no one else that I wanted to have on the show. And I know that he will. Uh, he always says yes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in this business, especially of his ilk, that you got to like plan it a month in advance or you got to do it, you know, whatever. But Mike always says yes. And uh, and that's the kind of guy he is. And he knows a lot of people. I mean, you want to talk about him, Bobby and Coach O back in the day. That's the real thing. Like they used to like go and howl at the moon, like whatever the, they they actually did all that stuff. So that's uh, that's that's who Mike Dettelier is. Well. Before we go off today, uh, one of the big negatives of this new format is that we can no longer finish our show with the song of the day. If you, For those regulars, and you might be listening uh, on the audio portion of, of this show or the audio podcast, uh, and I always finished with a song of the day that kind of reflected uh, my mood or whatever. Um, can't do that anymore. However, I am bringing back an old favorite. Uh, that's called The Extra Point. And the extra point, um, back when I was doing black and gold today, back in the mid-2010s, um, I had the extra point in the black and gold today show. We're going to bring it back. That's how we're going to end shows from now on. And the extra point is a look back at time, a final thought, a shout-out, or anything else I might want to leave you with. Um, and uh, before I get to the extra one, by the way, something I want to leave you with, a shout-out, is my ADHD mind goes all over the place. Uh, I do want to say, you know, they say that, you know, Alanis Morissette used to talk about, isn't it ironic, uh, rain on your wedding day? It's always kind of a, been a good luck thing to have rain on your wedding day. Well, one of my, uh, one of our close friends, uh, my son's best friend growing up, is getting married today on March 1st. So we hope he has the same luck. Andrew and Grace, we hope you have the same kind of luck uh, that you're supposed to have if there's rain on your wedding day. Although there was no rain on my wedding day and 16 years later, the woman's still with me. I have no idea how. But uh, as I go on and digress, we'll leave you with this extra point. March 1st, 2006. Now, I apologize we're going out on a negative note. But when I look back through history on March 1st and New Orleans sports, this one was so bad that even I couldn't remember it. I remember almost anything when it comes. I can't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday, but when it comes to sports, I usually remember. I did not remember this game, and there's probably a good reason. Because on this day, 18 years ago, the New Orleans Hornets were not a bas bad basketball team. They actually had a winning record, at least at this point in the season. Byron Scott was the coach. Chris Paul was, yes, a rookie point guard. P.J. Brown was the team center. And current Bally Sports uh, Pelicans analyst David West was one of the team's leading scores problem is on this night in los angeles there was no there were no leading scores worth mentioning because the team set an nba record for the least amount of points ever scored in a second half ever ever just 16 they scored i had to like research this i'm like i had to look at different three different websites because i didn't believe it 16 points in the second half on the way to an 89 to 67 loss of the Clippers. In fact, they scored just eight points in each of the third and fourth quarters when they were five for 34 from the field and were on the wrong end of a 25 to nothing run. Quote, it was pretty embarrassing, PJ Brown said. You think? The good news is the Hornets returned to New Orleans one week later, for those of you who don't remember, because I certainly remember this part. 
The Hornets returned to New Orleans a week later after spending the first four-plus months in Oklahoma City following the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. Remember, and uh, if you're younger than 30, you don't remember this. Maybe younger than 35, you don't remember this. But they were the New Orleans slash Oklahoma City Hornets. Yeah, we try to forget. The team lost 11 of its last 14 games that season, missed the playoffs in the Western Conference. The following season, they again split their time between New Orleans and Oklahoma City before returning home for good the following campaign. I'm telling you, I try to forget things like that, but sometimes you just can't. Well, that is going to wrap it up for today, our first show of season number four. If you made it through this whole thing, you are not only a trooper, you're my best friend. Hey, if you want to sponsor this show, by the way, or you want to just talk to me or whatever it is, jderryattheadvocate.com would love to hear from you. Yes, we're going to be looking for some sponsors, and hopefully very soon it's going to be Datitude Podcast with Jim Derry brought to you by Could Be You. Could Be You. Get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. All right, I want to thank Mike Dettelier for joining me today, uh, again on our Season 4 premiere. We hope you can join us for our next show on Monday when my guest is going to be Garland Gillen of Fox 8. He's going to come on the show. I'm actually going to go on his show, Final Bet, next Thursday. See how this works in the business? Uh, Spencer the Guru is going to come on next week. We're going to have the Fantasy Roundup. Uh, I know I'm going to have another guest on Wednesday as well. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of Pelicans. Maybe we'll talk about LSU baseball. This show is not going to be just about the Saints. We focus on the Saints, but it's not going to just be Saints. We're going to do more talking about LSU. We're going to do more talking about Tulane. We're going to do more talking about just things in general, events around the city. Super Bowl is in New Orleans next year. NFL Draft is coming up like we did with Mike today. We're going to be talking about more national events. So this is not your Saints Insider Show. It's not your LSU Insider Show. Love those shows. We have some great stuff here on NOLA.com and The Advocate and The Times Picayune. But we're going to do more of kind of bringing everything else in. We can't do it without you. We want more of your comments. Uh, So please feel free. Come every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday until we start the football season. We're going to be right here. Um, And I think Monday our show times are going to be a little bit different. We're going to go later in the morning. I think it's going to start around 11. Uh, I'm going to have to talk about that with uh, with some of our people. That way it gives me more time to get some things ready on a Monday morning. Um, But we'll figure that out. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I know we're going to be on here. And if you, a reminder to subscribe to our Datitude YouTube page, click the little bell to receive the notifications when we go on the air live. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and you can find a replay of the show every time we air on NOAA.com slash sports and other places on NOAA.com. We will see you Monday. Take it easy, my friends. Back to New Orleans, and don't call me anymore, because I'm a-